Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Recently, a well-known godly man and preacher, Alistair Begg, has been strongly ridiculed by the Christian community for exhorting a grandmother to attend her grandson's transgender wedding. Let's open our Bible now that we might indeed learn why Alistair Begg was right. Well, good morning and and welcome to another teaching. This is a this is going to be a special teaching, so to speak. Um, this is something we've we've never done before at Kingdom Discipleship, and uh, we've never been led to do it. Um, Kingdom Discipleship is a ministry that focuses on biblical discipleship and expository teaching and preaching. Uh, Expository preaching and teaching is when you teach verse by verse by verse by verse through a text of scripture, through a chapter of scripture, and certainly through books of scripture in order, right? Um, basically, you, you read the scripture, then you explain and teach the meaning of the scripture, and then, and then, and then you apply the scripture, which is essential, meaning you apply that scripture so that the body of Christ can can more and more adapt their lives and live according to the scripture. And that's what we're, we're, we're about. That's our heart. My uh, my son-in-law, Nathan, which is growing up, he's not, not growing up anymore. He's in his 30s. He's, a, he's, 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 he's growing to be a solid, you know, servant of Christ and disciple of Christ. And, you know, he had convinced us that uh, that some topical teachings about certain topics would be good. A topical teaching is where you pick a topic and then you, you know, you support it with scriptures. And so we've done a little bit of that as well. But, but today we're going to talk about something different. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give a defense for a man called Alistair Beck, a man that, that I've listened to on the radio and that has served me personally, as well as obviously countless others, um, through his preaching and teaching of the word of God since I became a Christian. Okay. Um, and, you know, in the last few days, he has been ridiculed um, for his stance on attending a transgender wedding or on someone attending a transgender wedding. Um, and he has been, been hard, ridiculed in a very hard and I believe inappropriate way. Um, and I believe I'm going to teach from the scriptures today as to why Alistair Begg was right in his stance of what he said to that grandmother who was struggling to go or whether or not she should go. She was actually convinced she shouldn't go to her grandson's transgender wedding. And, and, and Alistair Begg uh, spoke to her with humility and grace and what I believe to be insight and understanding as to why indeed she should go. And he gave very clear explanations of that. And when I heard what he said, again, if someone had come to me and asked me that question, I would have said something very similar. Okay. Um, so again, we've never done a teaching like this. Okay. Um, there are men out there and women who certainly believe it's their job uh, to critique what what other Christians are doing and what they're doing wrong. Um, and there certainly is a place to correct um, error 
and teaching and doctrine. We don't, we don't believe that's our call at Kingdom Discipleship. Um, here, you know, I didn't realize I was so angry. I was emotional listening to these things. I didn't realize that I liked this man that much. <laughs> he doesn't know me. I don't know him. We're a very small ministry, right? Um, we have, uh, uh, you know, a comparatively minute reach where Alistair Begg has a worldwide reach, okay? Um, uh, certainly he doesn't need me to defend him, right? But I am going to do it. Um, and again, I've never spoken to him. I don't know who he is. He certainly doesn't know me, nor will the others I, I, I speak about, you know, in this video. So just a little background, you know, I became a Christian around 26, 27 years ago. I had a radical conversion. I was living in in Dallas, Texas. And uh, although I was born and raised Catholic, you know, I didn't, you know, it was, it was religion to me. I didn't, I didn't have any, any relationship with Jesus. I didn't understand what it meant to be a sinful man. I didn't understand that I was a hopeless, desperate, hellbound sinner that needed a savior and that only in Christ could I be forgiven of my sin. Only in Christ could I be delivered from the wrath of my heavenly father, rescued from eternal hell, and go to heaven when I die. And so, believe it or not, I came home one day and on my apartment hook, um, you know, somewhere late 97, um, was a gospel track, right? And there was one on every hook, as I recall it, and the gospel track explained what it meant that I really am a sinful man and what the Bible meant that I am hopelessly sinful and in desperate need of a savior and I had received Christ, and it was a radical conversion, right? I mean, I found meaning and purpose in Jesus. I had believed in Jesus intellectually, but I had no idea of my, my desperate need of him, right? Um, and so right away at that time, I began listening to Christian radio. In Dallas, there's a strong, strong presence of Christian radio. And I remember that, whatever, 26, 27 years ago, that I would be listening to to Charles Stanley, right, who's gone on to be with the Lord now. And um, and I would listen to John MacArthur and just, man, the insights were so so strong out of, out of John MacArthur. And man, I'd listen to, to R.C. Sproul on the radio and that was, that was just good, strong stuff. Man, Chuck Swindoll was good. Um, but, but really more than all of them, right, this guy, Alistair Begg, right? Man, he seemed to have like this balance between the strong, hardcore teaching of like a John MacArthur, but yet he had this disposition. He had this uh, fatherly disposition. You could hear in his preaching a love and a concern, albeit with a strong firmness, kind of the fatherliness that you got out of a Chuck Swindoll, but the firm, hard dogma that you would get out of, say, a John MacArthur. And many of you who are listening to this may not know these people, but man, these teachers, amongst others that were on the radio at that time, old Adrian Rogers, he's gone home to be with the Lord too. But these men of God taught the word of God to me, right? I remember the, the first thing I learned, like when I got saved within weeks, Charles Stanley was doing a, a series on eternal security. And I understood that my salvation was secure and that it wasn't about me. But again, of all these guys, and I enjoyed them all and I learned from them all. Um, and, and I'm appreciative to how the Lord used them in my life for those that first five, six, seven, eight years. And still I'll hear them on the radio um, from past sermons or current. 
But man, Alistair Begg really was a, and is a blessing to me, just how he, how he handled his preaching, but yet you could see a tenderness and a love and a concern. And clearly that's how the, the Lord made him. And so, man, I was indignant when, I, when I've seen on YouTube, and these things are building, that Alistair Begg was compromising by telling this woman to, to attend her, her grandson's, um, you know, transgender wedding. And that somehow that by, by having, telling her to go, that, that he was encouraging her to compromise her dedication to Christ or her dedication to the word of God. And again, some well-known teachers, teachers I've learned from, right? Guys like James White, who, who I've learned from, and others now coming, coming out against Beg, in, 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 and I believe um, inappropriately so. And I'm going to talk through the scriptures, okay, as to, as to why I believe, based on the word of God, their condemnation of his advice is, is not only wrong, but they ought to be like that, okay? Um, so, Father, I do thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. I thank you, Lord, for what I believe is leading us to do these teachings. I thank you that I have checked with, with one of the elders and, and one of the deacons, and they, they affirm that, that they believe this would be appropriate. And so, uh, Father, I just ask you to open the hearts of myself and all those who are listening. I pray you give us, I pray you give us insight into all these things. Father, we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives, your favor, your grace, your love, your wonder. Above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for willingly becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today. And we worship you today, Lord Jesus, our only Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see, ears to hear. Give us hearts that we would understand these deep issues in Jesus' name. And for Jesus' sake, Holy Spirit, amen and amen. You know, I'm just sitting here. Again, I did not know that I liked this dude that much. Okay, I mean, I'm talking about Alistair Begg. Again, I don't know him. I've never talked to him. He certainly doesn't know me. I don't know any of these people, okay? Um, we're just a little, you know, little ministry here trying to teach the word of God and be faithful to what we believe the Lord has given us to do. Um, but I learned that prayer for Jesus' sake, I would hear Alistair Bay end his prayers with that man. And that just, even that would move me to say, man, that's everything we do is for Jesus, right? Now, again, all of those men I mentioned, okay, strong men teaching the word of God, different personalities and, you know, um, and, 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 I, and, I, and I liked them all, but there was something about this guy. And again, he's still alive, you know, um, and again, still teaching the word of God and, 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 and doing a good job at it. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, just, uh, just the attack that's come against him from the body of Christ, again, for his advice to a grandmother to attend her grandson's wedding, a transgender wedding, and to bring a gift, um, I believe was sound 
mature biblical advice. And so now we're going to discuss that. <clears throat> if you listen to what Alistair Begg said, he said something profound before he gave her, before he, uh, you know, re regarding, you know, people who are transgender and people who are in homosexuality. <clears throat> and he made the point that save the grace of our God, save the grace of Jesus, if not for the mercy of my King Jesus, okay? And now I'm certainly adding to what he said now, but this was the heart of what he was saying. Um, we would all be the same way, okay? If not for the mercy of Christ, you or I or any of us, okay, could have homosexual desires, could fall in homosexual sin, and could desire to be in the transgender community, if not for the grace of Jesus. Now, to be clear, okay, I am an orthodox evangelical, okay? You can go back and look at the series we did on Romans. We taught verse-by-verse uh, verse expository teaching through the entire book of Romans. I think it was 50 teachings through the 16 chapters of Romans. Chapter 1, there are five teachings. And you could see a full-blown 30-minute teaching on the scriptures right there in verse 26 of Romans 1. Um, I don't have it in front of me. I don't use notes. Um, and, you know, you'll see a plain teaching on, on, the, on, on what the Bible teaches on homosexuality, okay? Um, homosexuality, uh, a lifestyle of homosexuality is sin, okay? A lifestyle of living in transgender sexuality is sin. It is sexual immorality, and it isn't pleasing to our Heavenly Father, to Jesus Christ our Lord, or to the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say this hundreds of times. We have one God, one being, three distinct separate individual persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, okay? It's sin. Now, it's not greater sin than heterosexual immorality, okay? So when a man and a woman <clears throat> are living together and having sexual relations um, outside of marriage, that is equally sinful before our Heavenly Father, okay? One sin is not worse than the other before God. I will say that homosexual sin and transgender sin is farther away from, from the light from the biblical mandate, so it can have greater negative consequences on our life. But make no mistake, biblically, homosexual sin, transgender sin, is not greater than sexual immorality by heterosexuals. All right? That's the clear teaching of what the scripture teaches, okay? Um, when To listen again to what Alistair Begg said, um, again, a uh, he was he was he was he was recalling when he had spoken to a, a concerned grandmother who was who was believed she should not go to her her transgender grandson's wedding. And he asked her very pointedly, do you believe? Does he know, does your grandson know what you believe about Jesus and that and the gospel? And that Jesus Christ is the, the son of God. And I'm, para, I'm paraphrasing all this here, okay? But d does your grandson basically understand your beliefs about Christ 
okay? And the will of Christ, in the heart of Christ. The grandmother said yes. He then asked her very eloquently something to the effect of, does your grandson understand that you cannot countenance this wedding, right, based on your firm beliefs in the word of God and the son of God? And she said, yes, he does. So you understand what that means? He, he basically asked her, does your grandson know your position on this? Does he know that you don't believe in this? Does he know that, that you believe this is wrong and not of God? And the grandmother said, yes. Okay. So first of all, biblically speaking, all that is true. Okay. Um, a homosexual lifestyle, again, is wrong. It's not the will of God. Okay. It's sin. A transgender lifestyle is wrong. It's not the will of God. It's sin. A man and a woman having sexual relations outside of marriage or in an adulterous relationship is wrong. It's sin. Okay. Before the Lord, none of those is more. None of those is less. Again, they're, they're all sinful and wrong and grieve our heavenly father. Okay. But here's one thing we don't seem to understand as evangelicals. They don't believe that. Okay. People who are getting married um, as homosexuals or transgenders, they don't believe what we do. Okay. They don't believe that. So, so are we, to, to completely lift our nose and say, because you don't believe exactly as we do, and we do hold firmly to these truths, okay? And I'm going to get into my weddings and things like that. But because we don't hold to these truths, we cannot associate you with any, associate with you in any manner or any way, because somehow by our presence among you at a wedding or a dinner or anything, somehow we are affirming your choices, okay? That's absurd, okay? And, and, and I don't believe that's the heart of Christ. And, and, and Alistair Begg was eloquently addressing this. And for whatever reason, I cannot understand. And hopefully, again, um, you know, uh, pastors and teachers that understand what I'm saying and have far more reach than I do will be coming out in defense of what he did and the propriety of it, okay? Um, so again, how do we deal with people that the Lord brings into our life who know where we stand on these issues, as I've just laid out, I think, unambiguously, and yet they don't believe in the same way? Do we just have nothing to do with them? Do we just we, we can't show up at, at anything, at any dinner, at, you know, at any celebration. The last two weddings I've done, I've been convinced the two people that asked me to do the weddings, they were devout Christians. I explained to them that in the beginning of the wedding, I'm going to ask them, I'm going to have them confess and I'm going to articulate the gospel for everyone to hear so that they can affirm that they are standing here truly wanting a biblical wedding because a, a biblical wedding is a picture of a believer's marriage to Jesus. It's a, it's a picture 
of our marriage in spirit, that we're one with Jesus in spirit. So you cannot have a biblical wedding if you're not a genuinely saved, spiritually alive, born again, Christian man or woman. If one or both of you is not saved, you don't have a biblical wedding. Okay. So what are we to do? So as evangelicals now, and when I say evangelical, those are, that's those of us of Christians who actually believe the Bible is the literal word of God, that it is God speaking. And we believe that wholeheartedly. I do. And as such, because we believe the Bible is the word of God, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to have our sins forgiven. The only way to be delivered from the wrath of God, the only way to be rescued from eternal hell, the only way to come into relationship with our heavenly father, with Jesus Christ, our Lord, and with the Holy Spirit, and the only way to go to heaven when we die. Only in Jesus can we have forgiveness of our sins, deliverance from hell, relationship with each member of the triune God, and go to heaven when we die only in Christ. We believe that because that's what it teaches unambiguously in the Bible. Jesus in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. His own words, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. That's what we believe as, quote, evangelicals, and hence we evangelize, you know, we're told to evangelize because we don't want anyone to be in hell. Okay, we want everyone to be rescued in hell. And this is firmly what I've heard Alistair Begg teach from the beginning. I'll tell you, my favorite thing about Alistair Begg was that the name of Jesus seemed to be on his lips a little more. Now, every every man, every man I, talk, I spoke about fed me spiritually. Okay, and I'm thankful to each of them. Okay, but you've heard me say before that one of the great issues of the church is that we've gotten off into saying, God, 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 God. You could, you could hear a sermon that'll say the word God 80 times and maybe the name Jesus once or twice. It should be the opposite. Save Jesus, there is no God. Save Jesus, there's no meaning, no purpose, no life, no nothing. Jesus, Christ, Christ. And again, certainly all of those men I spoke about spoke about Jesus and Christ but I remember hearing Alistair beg more and more talk about Christ, Christ crucified, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. It was Jesus who became a human man for you. It was Jesus who lived a perfect, righteous life for you that you could never live. It was Jesus who died a torturous death on the cross for you that you should have died. And it's Jesus that's been raised from the dead and desires that you come to him and receive eternal life. And so I always appreciated that the name of Jesus seemed, and again, now he wouldn't say this to the other guys, but to me, I just heard more Jesus. Again, all the other guys were firmly in Jesus. He just seemed to have the name on his lips a little more. And I learned from that and I appreciated that. So if I'll give you something alarming here. For some strange reason, and I'm using nuance and sarcasm here, which many people don't seem to understand, but for some strange reason, no one has ever asked me to do a homosexual or transgender wedding. 
But if they did, you know what I would tell them? I would say, you know what? I do weddings. And, and I'm going to do any wedding based on what I believe. Okay? So if you ask me to do a wedding, I'm going to ask you. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to bring you to heaven when you die? And when I ask you that, obviously a homosexual or a, a transgender person, um, you know, is going to have to affirm the firm gospel that I'm asking them, okay? And if they say yes or if they say no, I'm going to continue to go down what I believe the Bible teaches, okay? Now, they're probably not going to be comfortable with that, right? Because transgender people may say no. Homosexuality, you know, homosexuals will probably say no. Then I'm going to say, well, you're not going to be married, unfortunately, in the sight of God. Your marriage is not going to be a biblical marriage. But they can be married to one another because they don't believe that. It's certainly not a biblical marriage, right? But if they don't believe as we do. So we can't force them to believe what we do, but we can love them while holding firmly to the truth that we believe, okay? So obviously, if I'm going to stand there in front of a, any couple getting married, and I'm gonna 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 forcefully affirm Jesus Christ, the necessity of Jesus Christ alone for the deliverance from eternal hell, the forgiveness of our sins, and to go to heaven when we die. And I'm gonna continue to go down the line that marriage, biblical marriage, is indeed between a man and a woman. Biblical marriage, um, now worldly marriage isn't. Um, that's that's why they're not gonna ask me to do that, right? Okay, so, all right, all that being said, um, now I'm going to go through some scriptures to help those understand why I believe Alistair Begg was right in what he said, okay? Why his advice was proper and why it wasn't a compromise, okay? I'm going to start out with Romans 14, verses 1 to 8. Romans 14, verses 1 to 8, okay? Paul is dealing with food issues here, but there are principles in these issues that we need to understand, okay? There are principles in these issues that we need to understand. And listening to, again, several of the people, and again, I'll pick on James White, um, because again, he, he's bold in what he believes. I've learned, I've learned a lot from James White, okay? Um, interestingly, I'm not reformed. Alistair Begg is reformed. All the guys I just mentioned, save Charles Stanley, okay, are hard Calvinist reformed doctrine of grace guys, okay? Um, you know, you know, you know, I've studied for, for 26, 27 years fairly intently these secondary doctrines of election and predestination. Secondary means they're not essential to salvation. Primary doctrines are doctrines that are essential to salvation. Secondary doctrines are not essential to salvation, but they are important for us to grow in Christ. And then there's tertiary doctrines, which are third in line, and they're not important for growth or salvation. Um, but all of these guys are, are reformed. I've been studying it 
my whole Christian life, and, I, and I'm, I'm still studying, and I'm not certain. The reformers may be right, but they very well may not be right. The provisionists may be right. Um, and again, I'm not an Arminian, okay? Um, so there are principles in the scriptures. And let's look at Romans 14, 1 to 8. Paul says, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, Jesus, and if we die, we die to the Lord, Jesus. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord, Jesus. Why am I using this scripture? Okay. Accept um, him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith, verse two, allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. There is a depth to what Alistair Begg said to this grandmother. What Alistair Begg explained to her was that by, by forcing, tangibly forcing her convictions on her grandson and, and, and just completely saying, I cannot go to that wedding, that, that all that's really going to happen is, is that her grandson and all the people there will just be more deep-rooted and the fact that, that we really don't love them. We're not even willing to associate with them. We can't tolerate them because they don't believe the way we do. Now remember, Beg made it clear that, that, that her grandson know her firm beliefs on the fact that this is not biblically appropriate or pleasing to Christ, okay? So when going to these things, okay, would I go? Yes, I would. Why? Because if anyone knows me or even what you've listened to so far, everyone would know that I was there. I have no doubt that everyone would know that grandmother at the wedding did not approve of this. Everyone would certainly know Alistair Begg would not approve of this. But the fact of, of going, I would go. I would be grieved. I would be in prayer, okay? But I would go to support my friend and to love them. And I would show my face there, okay? And it, it doesn't in any way mean that I think what they're doing is correct. But I would go and I would show love. And believe me, most people, anyone that knew me at that wedding would be far more uncomfortable with me being there than, you know, than me not being there. They would rather me not be there because they know firmly what I believe, but they would also see a love that even though I believe this is firmly against the will of God and the Son of God and the heart of the scriptures, 
that, that I would go and show. What am I saying here? I believe that Alistair Begg's faith is the strong one here. I believe that although he, he understands clearly and is preached clearly that homosexuality is sinful and not the will of God, that he himself would subject himself to that as Christ subjected himself and ate with sinners and sat with sinners clearly so that he could lead sinners to himself. You and I and beg and that grandmother can go and do the same things in no way compromising our beliefs. Okay. So what am I saying? I'm lovingly saying Except that him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything. But another man, verse 2, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. Okay. Paul calls the person whose conscience doesn't allow him to eat meat. Paul calls that person's faith a little weaker. Okay. And what I'm saying is that... If you feel that your presence at a homosexual gathering or wedding, um, you know, is is going to is is going to lead you into sin, then you shouldn't go. But if other brothers who hold firmly to the Bible, I would imagine all as firmly as you, and to the truth of the scriptures that I've laid out, they believe that that it's good to go, not because you agree with any of it, you disagree with it. But because you'll show that although you don't believe the same things, you're able to love them, okay? Because you care more about what's right than being right. All of us know as evangelical Christians that biblical marriage is between one man and one woman. I mean, for some reason, preachers keep saying that and saying that and saying that, <laughs> yes, it certainly is between one man and one woman. That's what the Bible teaches. But others don't believe that. Do you get it? One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. So again, if, if you're condemned and you feel your conscience that you cannot attend a wedding, but you can't just stop with homosexuals. You can't just stop with transgender, you can't go to any wedding unless you are certain those people are absolutely true born-again Christians. Because a man and woman who are getting married that are not Christians, they're also not married in the sight of God. Yeah, right? Again, they're not born again. They're not spiritually alive. They're children of the devil. You see where I'm going? All right. Look at, uh, look at verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to 31. Paul says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Look at verse 24. No one should seek his own good, but the good of others. If I went, if I go to any wedding, and the people are not sound, born-again, Bible-believing Christians, I am going seeking the good of others. Obviously, Alistair's begs uh, advice to the grandmother was for the good of others, 
not seeking her own good, not standing and demanding her own convictions, which it's good that she has them. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Verse 25, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. So again, obviously he's talking about food, but there's a principle in here. Okay, go to the wedding, go to the dinner. Look what Paul says here. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything belongs to Jesus. Everything belongs to Jesus. Look at verse 27. If some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. Wow. You see that? If some unbeliever invites you to a meal, and maybe the meal's at a wedding, maybe the meal's at a gathering, and you want to go, go. Eat whatever's before you, and don't even worry about it in your conscience. It doesn't mean you agree with it. Okay? Do you see it? Because you go to the wedding and people there know where you stand on the Son of God and the Word of God, you are not agreeing with what's, what's happening at the wedding, but you're able to go. 1 Corinthians 10, 27, if some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. Okay, verse 28, but if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for conscience sake, 29, the other man's conscience, I mean, not yours. So again, Paul's saying you don't want to stumble other people's consciences, okay? So again, if you're at a homosexual wedding, okay, if you're at a transgender wedding as a devout, serious Christian man or woman, you're probably going to be around a whole sea of people that probably are not serious, devout Christians or Christians at all, based on biblical Christianity, okay? But you know what? You can go in clear conscience knowing what you believe and showing that you're not above anything, showing what Alistair Begg said clearly that save the grace and mercy of my King Jesus, of my Heavenly Father, and of the Holy Spirit, I too could be in all kinds of, of terrible sin. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Okay? You can go to an unbeliever's place, you can go to a Super Bowl gathering. You can go to a party. You can go to a wedding. You're not compromising because your presence is there. I believe that to be a shallow and uninformed view. I believe it's like someone who eats only vegetables condemning someone who eats meat. Do you see the principle there? Now, at the same time, if, if you do feel like James White feels convicted that he shouldn't go to that wedding, we shouldn't condemn him either. Okay? All right. I meant to explain that if by some manner, and I've been trying to stay off the radar, but if by some manner anyone sees this, or James White or anyone I mentioned, you're, you're welcome to, to have the discussion. I believe what with me, and I'll certainly I'll listen. I'm open to learning. I believe what's being said here is unambiguous, again, in principle. All right. Look at uh, Romans 14, 17 and 18. This is important. Okay. And I'm not going to get into all the other things. I want to wrap this up here. I don't want to make this too long. I could do a whole series on this. 
And again, this is not what we do. But again, I just felt I felt emotional that I wanted to come out and defend this man for his choices. Okay, Uh, we've never done a video talking about, you know, what other Christian ministers are are doing wrong. And I'm not saying that we don't need that. Okay, there is some importance to that. I don't know why some ministry seems to focus only on that, but they're accountable to the Lord. Right. To his own master, he stands or falls and he'll stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Right. Um, Look at uh, look at uh, verse. uh, Verse seven of. uh, Romans 14, one to eight, look at verse four again, who are you to judge someone else's servant to his own master? He stands or falls in the and he will stand for the Lord. Jesus is able to make him stand. Verse seven, we're back in Romans 14, for none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, Jesus. If we die, we die to the Lord, Jesus. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Everything is about Jesus. The kingdom of God is not about marriage, okay? Marriage is a, is, is a sacrament. It's biblical. It's between one man and one woman, but it is indeed a temporary earthly institution. Human beings being married will not go past this life. You're not married in heaven. You're married to Jesus. You're one with Jesus in spirit as husband and wife are one in this life. All right. Let's look at uh, back at uh, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Romans 14, 17, and 18. Same principle. Romans 14, 17, and 18. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. And by the way, you could add a whole lot of other things in there. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking or marriage or anything else. It's about Jesus. It's about proclaiming Jesus, loving Jesus, serving Jesus, walking with Jesus, proclaiming Jesus, living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. That's the meaning of life. Okay, and certainly that's what Alistair Begg has proclaimed, albeit in his own words. I wish I was more like Alistair Begg. Regrettably, in some senses, I'm more like James White or John MacArthur. I do well to be a little more like Alistair Begg, frankly, but I am who I am, and that's why I'm doing this. All right, so again, the kingdom of God is not about all these things, it's about Christ. I want to wrap up here, but again, life is not about marriage. Biblical marriage is important, and I get it, okay? For some of these far-right reform guys, their passion on marriage and family is there. And I remember 27 years ago when old Charles Stanley said, and Charles Stanley had an ability to love folks in a way um, that, that, that was tremendous. And I learned from that man. Right. And he, and he said something that was profound. I heard it like 20, 26, 27 years ago, right. When I got saved that, that sometimes he'll see people will have a passion and they'll have such a love or they'll be given a love by the Lord in certain ways that, that they can't see past it. Right. They can't understand, or they can't even listen to what other people are saying enough to understand them but it's because they truly do love. And I believe these guys that are putting these videos out, they're so concerned about family and love. So I do believe 
that some of it is coming from a heart of love, but ultimately I do believe it's, it's uninformed and I believe it's wrong. I'm gonna end there. I'm not, I'm not gonna go any farther there for now. Um, but Alistair Begg was right. Um, again, this is a man of God who has served the kingdom of God, the son of God and the word of God in a manner that few ever do. No way. I've never done a video like this. I've never defended anyone. We don't get involved in these things. Part of me can't stand it. All right. But at the same time, I hadn't seen anyone come out yet. And I, and I certainly hope, I certainly hope, uh, Pastor Begg, that, uh, that you don't cower to this, that you don't placate your critics. I don't even think you need to come out with some long explanation. Alistair Begg shouldn't have to come to his own defense. Hopefully that some of us who've been blessed by his ministry or can see the things I've pointed out will come alongside him for this. So, Father, I thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and goodness and love and, and grace on our lives, Father. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the son of God. We thank you for Jesus. Those of us that know you, Jesus, those of us that believe the word of God, we thank you for your incredible mercy and favor and grace on our lives. And we do pray that all those who don't know you, all men and women of all kinds, Lord, of all sexual orientations, Lord, of all religions, that they would come to know Christ, Lord, that they would come to receive you, Jesus, that they would come to understand that it's only in Jesus that no other religion can we be forgiven of our sin and rescued from eternal hell, have relationship with you, Father, and go to heaven when we die. Have mercy on us one and all, Lord Jesus. We commit this into your hands, Holy Spirit. We ask you to lead us and teach us and guide us. And as Alistair Begg has always said, in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, amen and amen.